gas, and just the station alive and running. The benefit? You get a tax write-off while supporting quality programming. That's what I'm talking about. For more information, just call 1-866-WPFW-CAR. That's 1-866-WPFW-CAR. Listening to WPFW in Washington. With a son who dreamt of acting in plays Demonstration with a man had a trapped in a maze Trying to find herself again Much of that she gave Love could free us To where some react as a slave Funny We love her more when they relax to the grave Wonder if a thug is raw Is he acting afraid Everybody loves someone I attract shade Heard of the love of money But compassionate pays Talk about it with my youth So she understand What it is to be loved by a man uh. I'm beautiful love baby Streets, love is hard to see. Yeah, it's a place I got to be. Woo. Loving you is loving me. Okay, how beautiful love can be. On the streets, love is hard to see. Gotta reach that frequency. Loving you is loving me. Some say that I'm a dreamer cause I talk about it often. Seen the hardest nigga soften with his homie in the coffin. We walk and stand in. All in it with the right companion, we all in it. Mary sang a song about it, having broad limits in the game of life. It's the scrimmage, reminiscing on letters I wrote in my small days. A letter to the people, love always. Yeah, how beautiful love can be Woo! on the streets. Love is hard to see, it's a place I got to be. Loving you is loving me. How beautiful love can be on the streets. Love is hard to see. Greetings, peace and blessings. This is Clinton Lacey, and I'm joined by my fabulous co-host, Linda Harley Harper. How you doing, Linda? I'm good. How are you? Good. Welcome again to Led by Love, where we're reimagining youth justice. Once again, we're here to engage in some uh, riveting and inspiring conversation led really by our guests who we're so happy to have here with us to talk about issues that relate to young people um, and ultimately relate to young people, unfortunately those who tragically end up in the justice system, but it's about um, who our people are, not who they've been uh, uh, led who, who the justice system has led them to think they are, right? Or what they've been reduced to but what they can be in terms of their futures, in terms of their talents, in terms of their image, 
of, of themselves. And so that's what we're here to talk about. So, Linda, I'm happy to be back in the seat and having this conversation with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm I'm so excited about having these two beautiful queens in the studio tonight. And um, I want to talk to you about, I want to give brief introductions about you guys and allow you to introduce yourselves to our listener audience. So I'll start with you, Heather. Heather Burris is a researcher at heart who loves to read, write, and edit. She took her analytical skills and found her passion in public health, where she currently serves the youngest residents of Washington, D.C., working for the local health department. After sharing an unforgettable hair moment with her own preschool daughter, Autumn, Heather journaled a story, Hair Like Me, which would become her first published project. Heather also enjoys working out, reading, traveling, and spending quality time with family and friends. And she resides in Washington, D.C. with her husband, Brad, and two children, Autumn and BJ. Welcome, Heather. Thank you. Yes, welcome. Thanks for being here. And next we have Dr. Iyeli Ichile. Iyeli teaches history in the Department of Social Sciences at PG Community College. She has a Ph.D. in the history of the African diaspora from Howard University and a master's in African-American studies from Columbia University. Her most important education, however, took place in her mother's home. While in graduate school, she developed a research agenda that has been supported by the Smithsonian Folklife Center, the National Endowment for the Humanities, the D.C. Commission on the Arts and Humanities, the Reginald F. Lewis Museum and several university grants. Dr. Ichile has taught at a number of colleges and universities, including Temple University, Montgomery College, VCU, Florida A&M University, and Goddard College. She considers it a privilege to also be the teacher and mother of an amazing daughter. Welcome. Thank you. Yes, thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. So as Black History Month has recently ended and Women's History Month continues, we're going to talk about something that we, many of us, have a connection to and something that's been popping up in the news lately, our hair. With the Crown Act legislation making waves throughout the country and no matter how you choose to wear your hair, it is part of how we present ourselves to the world. Tonight we're going to talk to our distinguished guests who are passionate about the black hair space and have their own stories to share. So the Crown Act, what about that? Let's talk about that a bit. If you could help educate us um, on what that is and what it means. Um, Have you ladies been involved with the Crown Act? Uh, not directly, um, just indirectly. Um, I do have a really good friend and colleague who um, who is directly involved with the Crown Act. Her name is Dr. Afia Mbilishaka, and she's a psychologist, and she studies the psychology of our relationship to our hair identity um, and she's actually been tapped to offer testimony uh, in multiple states um, about about issues surrounding black hair in the workplace in education and its cultural importance to us and that that's kind of the focus but like how white supremacy um, and kind of anti-black thought impacts you know us out there with our hair so the Crown Act is already the law in California, New Jersey, and New York, while at least 22 states are considering it, and local jurisdictions like Montgomery County, Maryland have passed it. In the past few weeks, the state of Colorado, Washington, and Minnesota have introduced or advanced bills that are part of the Crown Act. I've had experience with it. Um, so I'm a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, and one of the main, um, I would say, co-creators, really, who's been pushing that, um, Ajwa Asamoah, is also a member of Delta Sigma Theta, and we're actually in the same um, alumni chapter. And so when I first published the book back in May, I was connected to her right away um, to learn about the Crown Act and kind of make sure I was informed even as I was promoting my book and, and to just understand what parallel efforts are going on surrounding here in the nation locally and all of that and so um but i got a deeper understanding of it um recently participating in a panel about hair love um a couple of weeks ago for black history month and ajwa was there to speak as well as um the council member uh, will jawando from um uh local council member from i believe maryland and um 
they kind of outlined really for the audience that what the Crown Act really means and stands for and how it's redefining um, race definitions to include um, discrimination associated with hair and hair textures and how that is so necessary um, in many places across the country um, to make sure that we're not um, discriminating against in terms of um, job job security mm-hmm. and education. Right. And so how, do, how does that play out um, to your understanding? Um, I would imagine from the overt and explicit forms of discrimination with regards to uh, policy, you know, mm-hmm. no braids or, you know, th- in terms of dress code at yeah. a place to, I would imagine, more um, perhaps uh, implicit and subtle, but yet just as, uh, you know, destructive in terms of mm-hmm. policies and attitudes. Mm-hmm. I think what I've noticed the most is it being impactful in, in youth, you know, mm-hmm. while we're here talking about youth. With some of the scenes that have happened recently in social media, um, my first re- recollection is of the wrestler who was asked to cut off his hair, his um, locks, in order to perform mm-hmm. um, in the competition because it would that it was assumed that it would prevent an unfair advantage for, I guess, somebody to pull him by his hair or something. Right. Um, and then even more recently with the, right, the young man, DeAndre Arnold, yeah, the young man that was told if he didn't cut his locks, he wouldn't be able to participate in his graduation, which is absurd. Crazy. That's that story. That story became national news. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. You've had young girls banned from homecoming dances, yes. proms, you know, suspended from school just for wearing their hair in braids. You've had, I mean, not to I mention think, bullying. Yeah. And, and I think on a more subtle level, um, there's this narrative of professionalism that I think is code for whiteness as well. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when we're doing these mentorship programs with young people, we talk about like office culture, professional culture, but really, you know, in some ways we're just coaching them out of the ways in which they look naturally. And I think that that's also kind of that, again, that kind of more subtle approach that, you know, that's not so obvious, like we're going to bring some scissors out to the the ring and cut your hair off on the spot, but we're going to urge you to be professional. And that's, coded you know that's mm-hmm. much more subtle, so and young people are directly impacted by that kind of language so you know as in thinking about um, tonight's show and, and the topic of course um it it, it brings you one to the legacy of not just uh, the, the experience of african enslavement here you know and ongoing legacy through those years um, but the overall white supremacy and racism in and of itself, right? And how that impacts image and hair and notions of hair and textures of hair and, and the whole conversation. Um, you know, of course, it's been reduced and sometimes things are reduced to um, hair texture as to whether or not a person is quote unquote mixed or what have you. But we know like throughout the world and throughout the continent of Africa, like the different um, hair textures and yeah, styles. Are based diverse, on, that's sure. right. The, the diversity with regard to climate <laughs> and all the all the impact, all the various impacts to our overall biology and how we look. But here we are today, right in 2020, still grappling with right these these age old issues or these issues that have been persistent here. Um, I, I was wondering if you all would talk about that. Um, so of course, there's the point of view and the issue of how they're. The white supremacist discrimination um, but what do you see happening in terms of in the black community or in the communities of color in terms of notions of hair and um, is, is it, has there been some sort of revolution or evolution in terms of thinking in the community or is it still a controversial issue I, I think it's it's um, evolving and mm-hmm. I think some in some ways it's been circular mm-hmm. you know um, I'm just hitting approaching 40 but people have told me that you know uh, and t- before I was born of course there was time periods in you know the 70s where everybody was having afros and things yeah. like that just just a few years ahead of <laughs> ahead of me but <laughs> but um so I think that you know there was a period where that was perfectly accepted and and encouraged um but then you know for some reason we went back <laughs> into perms and, and looking like um, having more uh, features that were not ethnic to us. And and so then you see, at least in women, oftentimes 
different types of hair textures emerge, weaves and all these other things. Um, and so now I think, um, I would say maybe in the last 10 to 15 years, there's been an evolution back to kind of self-acceptance of what your hair looks like and a growing appreciation for natural hairstyles. Um, certainly the hair industry in terms of marketing and sales and all that has um, supported that for our community and people have even been able to earn livings from it and by being influencers and marketers and promoters about that and so um so i think the tide is shifting and i think it's it's now maybe supported a little bit better just by the economy as well so that um it's it's also being more embraced to um to to make that more part of your lifestyle yes um yeah yeah, I think I agree. I think there's there are definitely signs of a, a cultural shift back to a place that we maybe were. But I think sometimes when I think about things historically, I'm, I'm you know, and I talk to, you know, my elders, I'm, you know, about things like hair and aesthetics and the black is beautiful movement. They're kind of like, yeah, some of us were doing this and it was it was trendy and it was popular at a certain moment. But it was still considered counterculture. It was still considered, mm. you know, there was a vanguard that was doing it and they were very visible and very vibrant and very active, um, very vocal about what they were doing and this, this was an intentional thing that they were doing. Um, and I think now we have a similar thing happening where there's this naturalista, you know, hair movement and people are very visible and very vocal about it. Um, and I hope that that also means that, you know, there's a shift. You know, I've, I've read recently that, you know, the, the purchasing of, like, relaxers is yeah. dropped and things yeah. like that. So mm-hmm. um, so I think it is happening. I think there is a trickle down from that vanguard to kind of the masses of our people um, where people are really trying to intentionally think differently and embrace yeah. themselves. Um, I just hope it continues. Yeah. Um, and I hope that also, because I think in some way it, it is gendered. I, I think, like, there's an internal conversation among black women about, embracing ourselves but also kind of celebrating the fact that we can look a lot of different ways true um because i think before there was a lot of judgment involved right, right. of each other and then i think now with uh with the brothers i hope that black men and women can look at each other and appreciate where we're both headed <laughs> you know we're both headed separately i don't know if the conversations are overlapping enough that's a good point mm, yeah that's a, so interesting and then you yeah, bring up the is. judgment aspect of it right um because you know and i think one question in the complexity is you know um what's what's driving it how does the evolution or trends in hair represent consciousness or awareness or social change right or progress right and because it seems like it, it certainly does in many ways and then uh, the judgment piece, right, with regards to uh, whether one d- did or still does judge someone for wearing their hair naturally, mm-hmm. right, or judges somebody who perms their hair, mm-hmm. right, on right. the flip side. Mm-hmm. And so I raise that because so it seems it seems like there is this sort of growing trend and progress in terms of people being free to make those choices to express themselves and wear their hair the way they would like to, right? Um, and it seems to be uh, playing out in many ways within the, in the black community as uh, uh, brothers and sisters, sisters and brothers, I should say, wearing their hair, quote unquote, naturally. Right. Um, and I don't know if there's any data or facts to back it up. It sometimes seems like wigs and weaves are ri- on the rise. <laughs> but I don't I don't know if that's true. And mm. and, and if they are. So what? Is that good? Is that bad? Is that, like, what do you think about that conversation? I think that um, part of, at least my uh, belief, is that it's also health-related. And I Mm. think as we gain in consciousness and awareness about how to take better care of ourselves, just as black women or black people, um, a lot of that, at least on the perm side, I'll say, was related, you know, the, the decrease in purchasing of perms and putting perms in our hair was to lessen chemicals and things like that on our scalp and our skin. And so just to kind of embrace a healthier lifestyle, um, I think has, has also propelled that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, and I will say for me initially, it wasn't, um, I, I didn't necessarily do it for the Vanguard and, and for the naturalista piece. Mm -hmm. I think I walked into that, 
unknowingly <laughs> into right. that space. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it really was more so of a self-acceptance and modeling for my daughter and just realizing, kind of remembering how I was brought up and how my mom viewed my hair and kind of shedding that aspect. Um, but I think that um, there's nothing, I, I'll say the movement towards health kind of gave us away from our permits, but I don't necessarily think that we're all the way there yet in terms of um, imagery and, like, what is still considered beautiful. Yes. And that still has to be developed because I think that um, for some, not many, weaves are a cover, and then for some, weaves are convenient, right? And so I think there's Mm -hmm. a a different Mm -hmm. couple people here who would choose to wear it to hide or to mask or because they're not appreciative of what they look like. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a different uh, animal to talk about (laughs) than people who just, you know, out of convenience, like they, they're fully confident in in themselves and what they look like. But like you said, just busy. (laughs) I want to work out. I want to switch it up. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It being tied to creativity and being tied to a form of expressiveness. Absolutely. Um, I just hope that we can get to this place as black people where we can just individually kind of like tune in and say, well, why do you, you know, why do you wear your hair like that instead of casting judgment? Yeah, Yeah, Um, true. You know, I think the movement toward natural hair and self acceptance of our hair now is more related to health. Like when we discovered we can get fibroids from relaxing our hair. Yes, exactly. um, I think we moved, I think before it was definitely much more tied to politics. Um, and now it's that's much more of an aesthetic movement and a, a health-based movement. I think um, the internal work, though, there there's some things lacking. Like I, I um, from reading, you know, my friend uh, Dr. Mbili Shaka's research, you know, I've I've learned so much about, you know, from the data of like what's really going on, kind of on a psychological level. And like you said, I don't think we're fully there. Right. <laughs> we're fully there yet. That's kind of what the data says now. But there's there there are so much more hope because. Hair really is kind of one of the first battlegrounds, I want to say, like historically for for ourselves. It was one of the first kind of parts of us that was kind of denigrated. And so it will, you know, it's kind of be like that first frontier towards self-acceptance. Like we have to start in our bodies and I think hair is very important for that like we've always worn wigs we've always worn weaves you can go back to Nile Valley civilizations yeah. and see you know braids with extensions and you know and all kinds of things wigs you know and for various reasons and I think those reasons are still the same so we're just still being ourselves we just have to get to the root of the why we do the things we do um, I don't have an issue with wigs and weaves at all I mean, yeah, this I is not my it. hair but I'm busy and I and also I like to change. Like before I became a warrior scholar professor, like I was a hairdresser. I just like doing hair. I mm-hmm. just like experimenting. I get on YouTube and I like the see art. all the creativity and the sisters being all innovative. And I'm yes. like, oh, I could do that or I could tweak it a little bit and try this. And, right. you know, I like looking different ways. I think that's the beauty of being an African woman, like the diversity of it all. We have mm-hmm. looked all of the ways. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, so um, so I don't you know, and I think I used to be much more judgmental about that. I think my another thing that I hope is just that before we venture out into la la land of looking like, you know, everything under the sun, like we first get to that self-acceptance. Like I've I've had my my short afro and my almost bald hair and, you know, and I've I've been with myself and I've dealt with myself. And I think that that is something that should, you know, I hope it's part of the journey. Um, But, you know, if it ain't. We'll work on it. You know, we um, we work with young people in the juvenile justice system and the young ladies. There's been a lot of conversation among the staff about young ladies and their hair. And so, you know, mm-hmm. there's tons of times where, you know, young women, I can't go to school. My hair is not done. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, what does that mean? And I have to get a weave. I have to have a weave and really feeling you can tell that they really feel like they're not pretty until mm-hmm. they have weave. And that's the part that makes me yeah. sad. Yeah. Right. But then on the other hand, um, if you're not going to keep your own hair up, maybe a weave is more convenient for you. Yeah. And so we've had a lot of debates 
um, in our agency, within our the agency that I work in during the day, is that, you know, whether or not the staff feel like, you know, making comments like uh, sometimes someone may say, your hair looks a mess, you need to get your hair done, right? <laughs> right. And thinking of, right, right, the messaging that we send to young people, and even um, when sometimes now you can see three-year-old little girls with extensions in their hair, mm-hmm. which they look I so know. cute, right? But what is the message that yeah. we're sending about your beautiful just the way God brought you into the world, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever that might look like. And I have a niece with a whole head of hair that's all over her head and I just always tell her how beautiful it is because I don't want her to feel like that. Like unless it's smoothed and greased right. And, right? That, you know, and so I just wonder about the messaging that we send um, about why the why I think is yeah. what the, you know, what I want us to be thinking mm-hmm. about when we deal with young people and work Absolutely. with them. I really hope like you know, when we don't ask the young people the why, we just steamroll over it and tell them what they need to be doing with yes. their hair. It's really, it's harsh and it's really like destructive. I think yeah. on on a lot of levels. Um, like my daughter, you know, has worn her hair a lot of different ways. It takes a long time to do her hair. She has a lot of natural hair and it's thick <laughs> like mommy's, and you know, um, so it was like one of us had to have a weave because I can't be doing <laughs> six hours over here, <laughs> six hours over here. I can't do it. But um, but at the same time, um, you know, the messaging. I'm, I've always been very careful with her about talking about her hair and allowing her to experiment with it. She's got purple hair right now. <laughs> You know, you know, it's not it's, it's added on, but it's you know, right. it's temporary. <laughs> she's ten, but um, but at the same time, I you know, so I want her to. I think she she's creative like me. I think she appreciates a certain versatility, but at the same time, like. I would never allow someone to speak to her like that. I would right. never allow someone to come at her and say, "You need to be doing this or you need to be doing that." Um, you know, our grown-ups really think. I think we need to have conversations about how we approach um, young people and help them with their hair. Like maybe, yes. you know, this this girl hasn't done her hair and it's not combed and stuff like that because there's issues. There are issues at home. Our hair is indicative of a lot of things yeah. in terms of how our state of being. I know my hair looks crazy when I'm not together. Yes. You know, in life. Yes. You know? Right. Um, so again pushing it back to like a health conversation a health question I think right. we really need to like ask those questions and really try to connect with each other and I think that you know particularly if you're n- not in the African community you don't understand that it's not it's not a shortcut and it's not cheap to take care yeah. of natural hair and I think we forget that right and mm-hmm. so a lot of the um, young ladies that uh, uh, that we work with on on a regular basis that their hair is very, very yeah, damaged. Yeah. And so they put weave in and put it on top of it. Right, but really, right. it's that nobody has really taught them how to care for the hair that God gave yeah. them, right? That they were mm-hmm. born here with to help them to um, appreciate what they actually have. And it's a relearning process. Like, we Absolutely. literally, after, you know, decades and decades of straightening our hair, have forgotten all of those traditions yes. of, of maintenance and taking care of our hair, our natural yes. hair. So we're just. We're unfamiliar with it. We just really are. And so, you know, I mean, as much as I, I know culturally and historically, I still go to YouTube and still talk to my sisters and still ask questions to try to learn the best way to comb it out and the yes. best way to do this and that. So it's, again, it, it comes down to like a knowledge base that we have to relearn. So we have to be kind of patient with ourselves as, as well. I, I'm a lazy hair person. Like, <laughs> I'll just be honest. Um, but your hair looks great. I know, but, but I will do it once a week. And the end, like <laughs> you have a routine. Certain day you do yes, it. Yes, yes, and um, and I just I try not to mess with it as much as maybe I should. I don't know, but I do think that um, one thing that what I tried to instill in my daughter is that find confidence in other things because. Um, it's not just about your hair. Like, I always felt some type of way when someone says, you know, I feel ugly today. My hair's a mess. And it's like, no, there's so many other beautiful things about you that it's not, it doesn't just fall on your hair. What else, you know, could bring you confidence today? Is it your smile? Is it, you know, the way you're dressed? Is it your, just your attitude about yourself? And so just trying to, um, like, separate the confidence piece from just being um, residing in your hair um, is something that I think we need to relearn. And it and it, it will take time. Like you said, I had to relearn when I cut my hair off. There's definitely, you know, I'll be honest, there was anxiety about it when I, for, when I first did it. I've always had longer sh- um, shoulder length hair. Um, 
growing up I had a perm but when I got to college and went to Howard and saw all the natural <laughs> hair people I was like what this I know my hair could do this and so that's when my natural hair journey at least started um, and I stopped chemically processing it I was just doing you know heat styles and wearing it um, oftentimes straight um, with heat but um, even going from that state of natural into like completely no heat styling just wearing it the way I do now was a process and it wasn't you know a little bit of anxiety just not knowing what you would look like just not knowing how you're going to manage that how you're going to relearn that so I understand that you know there's all of those feelings that go into some of these processes and 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 um an acceptance of what what new ways you have to live (laughs) um but it's just about walking in that confidence and knowing that you know accepting the challenge and Mm-hmm. and really trying to dig into that for yourself. I'm wondering whether or not uh, you think that it's uh, along gender lines that there's more pressure. So, right, we have the males who are absolutely experimenting with their hair now and doing many more creative things with their hair, but are do, are they under the same pressure as the females? What do you think? I uh, know, not, no, not, not nearly. That the close. main thing uh, my husband is concerned about is balding, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't even care about that. Right? No, and Women yeah, don't even care about we don't. That. And he's like, is it? That's you know, funny. can you see it from the top? It's right. like, like he's real tall, so he's he feels he's good, good. But yeah, <laughs> so can't see up there. <laughs> that's funny. It is. <laughs> no, I think it'll, it's definitely. I mean, I think just all of the the visuals are are more heavily. For female, you know, we're carrying yeah, a, a greater burden of like our bodies representing who we are, and our bodies being like the representation of our our value and our worth. Men, I don't think, have all of that loaded onto their bodies in the same way. I mean, from jump, from little, you right. know, like I'm looking at my daughter and my Correct. nieces, and then over here, my nephews, and they're yeah. just like running around doing whatever. Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't want my hair combed. All right, bye. You know, but the girl's like, no, you better sit down, yeah. and yeah. you can't go out there like that. Right. So it's it's so different. No, so it different. starts young, yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I know, I think that um for, for the female, like for my son, I tell him, you know, for young people, I think um, your hair becomes like your first thing that you sort of can express yourself, Autonomy. right? As you're starting yeah. to yep. get yes. older and starting to feel like, mm, I think I want purple, right? Yeah. And so you're feeling yeah. powerful and making your own decisions, and it's a great thing. Um, it's it's wonderful, and I think that, um, but I think for the males, we we allow it in a different way. Like you said, yeah. not making you sit down and for hours, and, and that's in our culture, that's our traditions mm-hmm. around sitting down and getting your hair done, yeah. uh, you know, for hours. It's, it's a it's not thing. all bad. Like it's no, not all a bad it's thing. It's been like, bonding a, experience, exactly. right? Absolutely. I just know that, you know, I tell my son, I don't you can do be free with it. I just need it to be clean and moisturized. Those are my <laughs> right, rules right. and no so healthy. And we fight about the moisturized like <laughs> how moisturized. Right, though. right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my three year old, so I have a six year old daughter and a three year old son, and like I said, I'm a lazy hairdresser. Um, so my mother-in-law actually does my daughter's hair and she does it in braids. I know she braids it up and puts beads in it from time to time, but we've started to let my son's hair grow. So he gets haircuts just tapered around the side and then the top we've grown out. So she twists his and now he's sitting there and crying through the whole thing. Oh, wow, right. Too. It's almost, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Not really used to talking about exactly. that, right? Right, right. <laughs> well, you know, this is, um, really a fascinating conversation and talking about all the complexity and the diversity um, and we're going to take a brief break but when we come back we want to get more into some of the um, the depth of image and what it means you know particularly to our young people and as we've discussed you know um, in, in the justice area and I think overall in our society some of our most vulnerable young people um, in this uh, still white supremacist society are our young girls of color our black girls right I want to talk about that when we come back. You're tuned into Led by Love, WPFW 89.3 FM. We'll be right back. Is that India? What happened to her hair? Well, if I want to shave it close, so I want to rock locks that'll take a bit away from the soul that I got. Little girl with the press and curl. Age 8, I got a jerry curl. 13 and I got a relaxer. 
I was the source of so much laughter. Fifteen when it all broke off. Eighteen, then I went on natural. February 2002, I went on and did what I had to do. Because it was time to change my life. To become the woman that I am inside. Ninety-seven dreadlocks all gone. I looked in the mirror for the first time and saw that hey, hey, I am not my hair. I am not this skin. I am not your expectations. No, no. I am not my hair. I am not this skin. I am the soul that lives within. What she do to her hair? Oh, no, that's crazy. I like it. Good hair means curls and waves. Bad hair means you look like a slave. At the turn of the century, it's time for us to redefine who we be. You shave it off like a South African beauty. Got it on lock like Bob Marley. You can rock it straight like Oprah Winfrey. If it's not what's on your head, it's what's underneath. And say, Hey, I am not my hair. I am not this skin. I am not your expectations. No. Does the way I wear my hair make me a better person? Does the way I wear my hair make me a better friend? Does the way I wear my hair determine my integrity? Breast cancer and chemotherapy took away her crown and glory. She promised that if she was to survive, she would enjoy every day of her life. On national television, her diamond eyes are sparkling. Bow headed like a full moon shining, singing out to the whole wide world like, Hey, 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 I am not my, I am not I am not your expectations, no. Back at Led by Love, we were having a conversation that NDRE was just talking about. I am not my hair. So no one is their hair, but hair is a part of us, right? Mm -hmm. And always been a major part of the black experience. And so, you know, before the break, we were talking about um, the sort of gender divide or the breakdown in this society around hair, you know, between boys and girls. Um, it's interesting looking at, um, you know, the NBA, for example, um, or college basketball, that this, this huge amount of guys wearing, you know, locks and twists and what have you. Like my 11-year-old son, is, he definitely emulates all of that. And so, um, but it's not, a, it's not an issue, really. I mean, there's the care for it and that kind of thing. But image-wise, it's not a struggle. It's right. not a question, right? And it's very popular mm-hmm. and sort of accepted. <coughs> Right across the board. I sometimes I look at some of the players on the court and I look at their like old white coach and I know the coach is like, what, what, what happened? What is that? You know, but hey, he could play, so let's yes. go, right? Yes. But um, but 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 kind of accepted. They don't have to deal deal with that. Um, and probably maybe not so much maybe in corporate America, but but still, you know, it's definitely not equal. Mm-hmm. I, with regards to to girls, and we were talking about this piece around, and I had brought up wigs and weaves and relating it to some of the judgment piece right and i know as a younger person in college when i was like when i was at morehouse you know i was like i've grown a lot like at that time i was pretty 
like adamant about it like sisters take that stuff out your hair you know <laughs> take yeah. that poison out of your hair <laughs> that's kind of right you know yeah. um, i used to be that way <laughs> yeah, yeah you know so we were and, and of course the street is spellman right but um but but it's complicated right but what what i would like to talk about and hopefully you know doesn't get lost i'm sure it's not lost on you is um, people should be free to wear whatever they want and express themselves and have fun with sure. it and express, you know, that expression. But sometimes you see, or for me, I'll give an example of something that sometimes tr- triggers me, you know, internally. I w- wouldn't say anything. How long the hair is. Oh, so it inches. seems Hashtag like, it's, like <laughs> it's, down, it's to the knees and it's sort of crazy. I don't yeah. know. That's a judgmental statement. But in my mind, I'm like, that's ridiculous. Like, what do you, why? Yeah. Rapunzel, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, but I'm thinking it's screaming out something else. And that's, a, right. I don't know that individual. Mm-hmm. But I know that I know the issues. <laughs> what is it screaming? When I see hair down to like that, yeah. it's screaming like I have long hair too, right? Oh, okay. Okay. And I relate it to the white supremacy, um, you know, mind job that was that's been done on us mm. to feel that we need to emulate what we think. And it's a myth that all white women have long hair to their right. right. Know that's not mm-hmm. even true. But I'm just talking about some of the mythology and the imagery, and so. That's I can't say that about every person I or anybody who I don't know who's. But I do think that our community, our families, our children are still saddled with some serious inferiority complex. And I wonder to what extent it plays out. That's just one of many ways and maybe not even the most important way at all. But it's just something that I think uh, hair can sometimes be a, um, you know, a sort of vehicle for expressing a, the issues that the, the impact of racism on us. Mm-hmm. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, hair can express a lot of problematic um, ideologies that we have inside. Um, when I look at hair like that and I look at like the lime green hair and, the, you know, like the kind of more, you know, uh, farther away from what naturally can grow from a human's head type of hairstyle. <laughs> That's my hairdresser says yeah. that. She says nobody sh- should right. have a weave that it, it's more hair than God would give you. It, right. <laughs> um, you know, well, I, right. I, I had blue hair a couple of years ago, but it was, you know, my natural hair dyed blue. But right. So I'm that, so again, I try to reserve judgment, but at the same time, I think it it does indicate some semblance of those things. I think we definitely should examine that. We should, we shouldn't dismiss that. Obviously white supremacy is something that we've internalized and our young people have internalized it just with everyone, everything else. I think some of that also has to do with kind of the, the nature of entertainment and like kind of the caricature ish way that some of the more popular celebrities look now. And the fact that now it's almost like, young folks or just people we don't know where to draw the line between like what's theatrical and like meant for the stage and for television and what what like makes sense in everyday real life like you can't you i mean that hair is great if you're walking around in six inch heels on a stage but you can (laughs) when you're sitting down in a classroom and you accidentally sit on your own hair (laughs) it's just not practical right so Mm. like it has to be about health it has to be about practicality and comfort but i think once we've left that stuff behind then i think it we're definitely in the realm of what's problematic yeah. yeah, and I think that there's um, few people who have day to day lives that support that extremism, mm-hmm. True. <laughs> you know. True. And so to see, like you say, um, it, you could even talk about nails. Like mm-hmm. right. you literally right. can't right. even right. ring me up <laughs> exactly. because yeah. your nails oh, no. are yeah, or eyelash not functional right. exactly. Right. I, I like nails, but I got to be able to type. So, Thank right. you. So there's a limit, right? Right. Limit. Yeah. <laughs> so Linda, you mentioned eyelashes, yeah. right? So yeah. I've seen some that look. It seems like it's hard to keep your eyes open. <laughs> but I'm like, hey, you know, have fun. It's the same. I mean, I, I related to this yeah. conversation. So no, it again, is. It's all imagery. Removing judgment, yeah. but sometimes it seems extreme. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like your eyebrows you know. look like toothbrush. Yeah. Like, like, like your eyelashes what, what look are we, like, yeah. What are we saying? Right? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I, but I think it all gets back to what you're saying, like the images and in, in media, and, and even even if it's not that extreme, it's still a representation or a reflection of either what they see out there, or mm. what or what they wish they could see out there, or or um, a lack of what they don't don't see. If that's a double negative, but sure. basically what I'm trying to say mm-hmm. is not enough of what is the norm. Right. is presented exactly like what are the options that they're presented with yes 
you know, so when they're making this choice, we know they've had these other alternatives. Maybe they haven't been shown these alternatives enough. Yeah. Right, right. And, and they're not viable. You know, maybe you have three different hair salons in your community that can do, you know, a Nicki Minaj weave, but you don't have a natural hair salon or you can't afford a natural hair salon because a crochet right. costs $30. That's a weave. And, uh-huh. you know, getting your locks retwisted for some reason costs $80. $80 you right. know, yeah. so there's... So there's also the economic piece. The economic piece, too. Uh, Also, the same with eyelashes, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, to actually purchase individual lashes costs more than purchasing strips. But also, you know, we're such a colorful and bright and creative people anyway. I think sometimes just bigger and better and more. That's like, that's just who we are. And so I think more hair, bigger hair. I think, yeah, creative, you know. Oh, she has lashes? Wait till she sees my lashes. (laughs) 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 That's so that's so African though. Like that's the other side of it. Like it some is. of the things we can ascribe to white supremacy and anti blackness, but some of it is just who we are yes. as creative okay. human beings yes. who we take do it one big. thing we do it and finesse the mess out of it <laughs> yeah. and make it something it wasn't even yes. meant to be that someone never could conceive of. Like right. remember when we were I don't know how old everybody is, but when we were younger and they had like the French rolls, they took a French roll and like it became like this sculptural yes. thing. Yes. Right. And then you could knock on it, yes. it was hard. But it, was, it was so beautiful and creative yeah. because yes. I mean I I think that's when you start to think like we're actually leaving the realm of like pure Eurocentricity and we're actually returning back to like an African creativity with what we've been given in this white supremacist society. You know, it's almost like use it's like mm, it's yeah, like jazz. It's like taking these That's instruments right. and making something African ish with them and, and an African interpretation of those things. So like so again I'm always looking at it. Th- a couple of yeah. different ways. Like no, I think that's a yeah. I think that's a really a very you know brilliant analysis. You know, interesting perspective. You know, definitely to how we because we've done that in, with everything, yes. right? Mm-hmm. In yes, this experience, that's how we go. Yeah. you know, and it's it's been interesting to see too. I laugh sometimes, but because back in the day. You know, it was like, oh, that's a weave, right? It was a neg- <laughs> like, that ain't her hair. But now it's like, ooh, I like that. Look at her weave. I want one. Or, you know, like it's the judgment. <laughs> that's a good one. Right? Or a that's wig a or those yeah. kinds of things, which yeah, I think is wig, sort yeah. of healthy yeah. as opposed to this scorning, right, judgment yeah. thing. So, yeah. True. Right. That's progress. Yeah. I am. I don't want us to go too far without talking about Heather's book. Heather, I, I told you before we started the show that my girlfriend told me about your book when it first came out. She w- excitedly bought it for her daughter. So I want you to talk to our listening audience about your book and what what made you. How did you decide to author such a book? Sure. Um, so thank you. Um, so the book is called Hair Like Me, and it's really an experience that I shared with my daughter. So it's based on a true story. Um, and as I mentioned, I used to wear my hair um, naturally straight um, with a mostly pressed out flat iron and things. Um, and around when my daughter was four years old, I was washing and straightening my hair and she was copying me. And at the time she didn't have very long hair. She had a baby Afro and she called my hair princess hair mm-hmm. and saw me straightening it and said, I want princess hair like your hair, mommy. And immediately wow. I felt some type of way yes. about that. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because I had grown up in Seattle and I had a perm growing up and I always wanted longer hair and so that immediately took me back to that when I used to pretend to have long hair with pom-poms in my hair and and stockings twisted to make long ponytails. And I just was so um, touched by it that I stopped straightening my hair immediately. Um, and I told my husband and, and he was like, well, we, you know, you just got to model it for her. So I started mm-hmm. doing more natural styles, but eventually I did cut it off. Um, and what ended up happening was I shared about it on Mother's Day, just, you know, talking about things that I would do for my daughter, just being on social media and sharing it. If I ever had a viral social media post, that was it. (laughs) And to the point where somebody told me, um, that's such a beautiful story. You should write that down in a children's book and share it. And I thought, I don't know about that. And then I realized I had a friend who actually is an illustrator. So I talked to her about it and she was just hyped me up. (laughs) So she Mm -hmm. said, let's do it. I'll show you how to fundraise for it. I did um, a Kickstarter campaign to help me raise money to produce the book. And together we self-published it. And um, in May of 2019, May 1st, actually. um, And it's just been an amazing journey ever since. And to something that I didn't know I would 
enjoy so much. Um, and I, it's helped me to become an entrepreneur. So now I, I sell the book directly. Um, uh, I have a website. It's called Joyful Thoughts, Joy with an I, because it's both of our middle names, um, dot com. Um, but it's also available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble dot com and all those. Um, and at Howard's Bookstore as well. So. Awesome. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. And how nice you were able to do it with a friend. Yeah, nice. I know, yeah. And you can tell from the cover that the illustrations are beautiful. She's a talented illustrator. Thank you. Thank you so much. So uh, if a listening audience goes to Amazon or um, Joyful Thoughts. Joyful Thoughts with an I. Um, Amazon.com. Mm-hmm. Joyfulthoughts.com. Amazon.com. BarnesandNoble.com. Or the Howard University Bookstore. And do a search for Hair Like Me. Hair Like Me by Heather Burris. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much. Sure. Thank you. So the the, disc, the national discourse, right, on this issue, like, where, where is that going? I, you know, I, I remember the film, I think, was Chris Rock? Did he yeah. Good Hair. Good, Good Hair. hair. Yes. I didn't yeah. see the whole thing. I saw some of it. Um, but, you know, I always talk about, and with, with issues pertaining to black people, um, you know, in the dominant culture and so-called white society, there's like a, a hundred films about a topic, and we will get one. And yeah. That's the only one we have to yeah. talk about, yeah. right? You know, <laughs> one film about Malcolm, right? Like, right. and need, stop, right? It's and so, stop. Yeah. So we gotta. So I was just curious about, like, it seems to me like there's a need for more Absolutely. conversation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Films and other forums. Um, so first of all, you know, you all are uh, grateful that you all are. Are advancing the conversation right? yeah. and, and leading it, but what are your thoughts about that? Is there a growing conversation uh, narrative? I think so. Um, I couldn't have predicted a better timing for all of this, <laughs> at least for me personally. But to have shared this this social space with um, an uh, Oscar winning animated short film hair love coming out right wow. also that book the book also was released last spring um the four was it four or five black beauty queens mm-hmm. three i believe three or four of them accepted the crown with natural hair wow um the, cra- the yeah three out of the five um and not just any tweet. I mean, it's Miss Miss USA, Miss Teen USA, like the ones that the girls look up to, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and then the Crown Act, like all of these things, are kind of in the same sphere and circle, and bringing light to um, our conversation and raising the awareness of it for sure. Um, and so it's just, I think, given the space right now in media to talk about that, to embrace it, to have those conversations that are much needed. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's been really cool to start at a young age. And, you know, my book is a children's book, so it's meant for, um, you know, primary age kids, so up to about six, seven, eight years old. Um, but being able to go into schools and, and read it with kids and talk about hair and not just talk about black hair, but, you know, it's relatable Um because it's really a story about beauty and self self acceptance, um, and redefining what princess hair means. So wow. that you look into yourself and you see that I'm a princess or a prince, you know, with whatever the hair that I was given, um, and being able to teach that to kids and white kids and and Latino kids, at least in D.C., <laughs> right. we have a mix, right? And yes, so yes. all of them are saying, "I have princess hair," and you know, "I have prince hair." So being able to start those conversations really early mm-hmm. and just gain an appreciation for what you look like, self acceptance, um, I think is um, is being really supported and is a great space to do it now, given all of the other um, events recent of recent in in the media. It's but, really important to include the youth in these conversations absolutely. as well, and to shine light on this amazing vortex of energy that Black for women sure. have created. I think we're just amazing for doing that. Yes, um, something that came up for me when you were saying princess hair and mm-hmm. good hair and you know like all these words about hair yes. that is straight or hair yeah. that is not African is really that's really it's really important that we start talking I think I hope nationally we shift the conversation to a deeper place like I think that that's why the work of uh, Dr. Mbili Shaka and other psychologists is so important I think on right. a spiritual level there's there's a conversation that needs to happen with hair because there's a whole other belief system about energy in our hair and what that means I think there's um mm-hmm. There's another vocabulary about our hair. I mean, back in the 17th century and 18th century, our hair was, you know, called 
considered demonic and straight hair was literally called Christian hair. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so wow. there's, you know, there are medieval depictions of the devil in Europe that, you know, w- with black skin and curly hair and those ideas were transplanted mm. over here so literally i'm reading these old newspapers mm. from the 1700s and they're like you know the people with christian hair blah 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 and that means everyone outside of god's good graces wow. are us and so it's a it's it's so deep this conversation Very, and yeah. that self-hatred for our hair is is literally that deep and i think we're we're not even we haven't even scratched the surface of how mm. deep it really is for us because we don't even have the context for how we how the hate began, yeah. how threatening our hair has been, how, how that process began and how our ancestors used our hair to do everything from feed themselves to braid maps in there to find freedom. I mean, you know, I mean, right. I mean our hair does amazing, amazing <laughs> right. things. And like divorcing us from that appreciation was so critical to um, mm, kind of so mentally captivating us and denigrating yes. us. Such a good point. Uh, I, I think uh, talking about the vortex, you know, the story with uh, Massachusetts Congressman um, Ayanna, <coughs> excuse me, Ayanna Presley, mm-hmm. um, and when she revealed on social media, she revealed in public uh, and talked about um, her alopecia, and she revealed that she wears, um, you know, hair that's not hers in order to um, wear it as a she's been covering this and she revealed it and I think that social media has played a role too there's so many more uh, entertainers who uh, females who sh- who show themselves on social media with no makeup and mm-hmm. no weaves and kind of yeah. more realistic yeah. looks at, at what you really look like in the morning and right. those kind of things are, are can be helpful I think to our young ladies Absolutely. especially but for all even for the young men who you know grow up to say I only date women with long hair right that yeah. we get in front of that right early exactly. to to teach that you know black is beautiful right and it comes in so many different forms and fashions and I I, I really um Ayana's story was so impressive to me so and powerful. how fat yes I was when she did I was so amazed and there's um my son goes to school with kids who are don't look like him and one of them has alopecia and when I saw her story I just thought wow she's impacting so many people who have alopecia and have suffered yes. in silence <clears throat> and she's showing like but yet she's standing as a as a an elected, you know, dignitary, Absolutely. right? And 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 able to share her truth. It was it's really been powerful mm-hmm. to see her story and to for hear her talk about it was even more powerful. Yeah, and I think we need more of that. You know, people need images that they can relate to. They need people that they can relate to. And, you know, at least for children, you know, seeing that either in cartoons or in media or in their books that they're reading um, just makes it so that it, it, it's acceptable, right? And I can see myself in that. I can see yes. now I know with alopecia that I can be a congresswoman. That's yes. right. I can, you know, still run for I office. Hair, right? Right. I am not my hair. Like, that's not limiting me. No one's going to look at me crazy when I am, you know, uh, a senator from Massachusetts. Like, that's right. Um, so I, I just, I'm, I'm so proud that she did that. Um, and shared it with us and just even the beautiful, beautiful story behind it. Absolutely. So I want to thank you for, um, to our guests and to our listeners for joining us this evening. This has been a really fun show and really powerful. And thank you so much for joining us. Um, thank you, thank you for having you. us. Next up, we have host Sierra Shine. She's up next with Sankofa with Shine, WPFW's program dedicated to sharing intergenerational knowledge. And at 8 p.m., it's Lovethology with Donald Temple. Also, tune in to Dr. Richard Wolf and Economic Update tomorrow at 6 p.m. This is Led by Love on WPFW 89.3. Peace and blessings. Tomorrow may never show up for you.
True question. 